0: Hey, this is Stephen Ferdick. I'm the pastor of Elevation Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. Hope this inspires you. Hope it builds your faith. Hope it gives you perspective to see God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. I told them today, I said it's been heavy for so many people all week, and God has given us the privilege to minister. It is a privilege to minister to you. This is, I think, the 13th week. I don't know if I counted correctly. What's your count? 13? Since we couldn't have people in our buildings, and we've got quite a few more of those ahead of us. What I'm grateful about is the buildings have been, have been closed, the church has been busy. And it's a good thing, too, because the devil sure has been busy. But the church how many of you, this is your church, and you're not just consuming? Put in the chat say, This is my church. I am glad to be a part of the family of God. I'm not just a clicker. I'm not just a commenter. I'm not a subscriber. I am a part of the family of God. I'm washed in the fountain, cleansed by his blood. That's what the old hymn said. This is my church. Tell me in the chat, I see, I see South America saying this is my church. How in the world does South Charlotte and South America get together? Only by the grace of God. God is a unifier. God is a healer. God is a barrier breaker. God is a yoke destroyer. God is the great I Am. He can be whatever he wants to be. He's a transformer. He's more than meets the eye. Y'all better hold me back. This is my church all over the world. Our EFAM. It used to stand for Extended, now it stands for Everywhere. Because we just gotta use—we're not gonna pay you, but we are using your house as a church right now. We need every available space. Like Peter, we wanna get in your boat. And Jesus wants to know: Can I use your space? Can I use your boat? Can I use your influence? Can I use your voice? He inhabits the praises of his people. This is my church, and I'm—I'm so thankful. Man, I really—I've been wondering about you. Y'all go ahead and sit down. We need to transition. We need to transition." and I was telling them today that it's, uh, it's like all week… And, and really, for weeks now, it's been so heavy in people's hearts that today the Lord gave me an assignment that he wanted to lift your burden. and I told everybody that's in this room with me, whether you're running a camera or playing an electric guitar, whether you're playing a Fender Stratocaster or working behind a switcher, I came out and told them, "'Drink your coffee, because today…' We want to be used by God to lift those burdens that you've been feeling, and and I have been worried about you. I know you're not supposed to worry. Matthew 6, the Bible says, don't worry. Well, I have been. I've been worried. I've been worried about you, because normally I can see more of you, and and I can kind of see how it's going, and I can stand up here, and, and this is so weird. I can't see you at all, so I don't really know. How you're doing, you were singing, this is holy ground, but you've got some holy sweatpants on and you hadn't changed them in four days. And now, right about now, you've got an ulcer from just all of the different emotions that you've been feeling. And I've been I've been checking on the people that I love. How are you? And you know, before this quarantine ever started, I remember a few years ago I went through a season where I was just amazed that everybody answered the question, How are you? I mean, you got a few people that they think you really want to know when you ask them, How are you? and they start going back for the last three months, catching you up. Most people will just say something polite I'm fine, I'm good, whatever, whatever. And then some people will say, um, I noticed this a few years ago. They'll say, I'm either busy, I'm busy. Remember when everybody was busy? I'm busy. Ah, oh, man, busy. And then the other thing you would get from people, I'm tired. I'm tired. And I noticed a few years ago, this was way before coronavirus, um, people would say, "I'm, I'm tired, I'm busy. And I thought the two were connected. But then a few months ago, everybody's schedule got cleared. Our heavenly administrative assistant decided we all needed to stay home indefinitely. And people weren't running their kids around as much anymore. Or if they were, they were just. Driving them back and forth, and the kids never got out the car. And so, so many things shut down, so many job responsibilities were suspended. And, uh, but I still kept asking people, How are you? And they didn't say busy anymore, but they still said tired. And that caused me to think because the last week or two, it's been exacerbated just even that much more for good reason. Everybody, I'm talking to. Uh, How are you? Um, I'm. I'm tired. I'm tired. I called uh, Pastor John Gray on Monday. We sat on this stage, and he shared powerfully, powerfully, dynamically, accurately about some of the things that have been going on in our nation for centuries that some people are just becoming aware of. and I wanted to call in Monday because we both knew sharing that conversation that it was what God wanted us to do, but we didn't know how it would be received, because we were talking about issues that sometimes get suppressed. And The response was amazing from our church family. Oh, I just want to thank you for being that kind of church that isn't afraid to shine the light of Jesus Christ in real ways, not just in cute ways. But in ways that are relevant to what really ails our nation. God, I can't see a brother in Jesus Christ choking in the street and look away because he doesn't look just like me. And so, as John shared, I could, I could tell that, that it, it was heavy on him. And, and I called him Monday. I said, How are you doing? The sermon was already going around the world. I said, the sermon is going around the world. We're hearing from all over the world. God is using what you said on that platform boldly all over the world. Thank you. How are you feeling?" He said, I'll tell you what. I'm grateful, but I'm tired. He said that after he preached here and shared on this platform, he felt like he had been in a physical fight. He said my body felt like as if I had been in a physical fight like a cage match. And and I made a joke when we started that we were like a tag team, and then he went home and physically felt the symptoms as if it had been a physical fight. He said I'm tired and and I said, "Isn't that crazy? All we did is sit there and talk for 45 minutes." But I realized that what we talked about for 45 minutes was something that my brother has been fighting for 46 years. I can turn off the news, he can't turn off injustice. I guess he was tired. I mean, he fought he fought demons that existed before he was even born. He said I'm tired. And not just him, I asked a guy who works at the bank who's working from home, I said, has it been go- good working from home? I'm gonna open the Bible in a minute, by the way. I promise you. I sent them so many scriptures this morning. I think they got tired just looking at my list of scriptures and I, I'm gonna preach them, and so don't go anywhere. But but it was it was so many different people that in the past few weeks they weren't saying busy, they were saying tired. And it wasn't due to a physical demand necessarily because I asked this banker, I said, How are you doing? He said, I'm tired. I said, but you don't have to commute. You used to have an hour commute. You would drive an hour to work and an hour home. Now you got two extra hours. He said, yeah, but I don't have any separation between my office and, and my kids. I used to be able to leave them for nine hours, and now I can't. I can't shut one thing out. I used to be able to compartmentalize. I used to like my drive time to work because it was the one time that I knew I could have to myself, and I would listen to you preach all the way to work. And now I can't do that anymore because they've moved my meetings and they're eating up the margin. He said, "Man, honestly, I know I should be grateful I have a job, and I know there's people that have it worse, but honestly, I'm tired." And then I was talking to a mom whose kids uh, have—I think they're all between the ages of two and five. And there's three of them. So your planning was a little bit interesting. But it's too late to go back and fix that because now she's got three. And one has special needs, and they normally have someone to help with the child with special needs, but that person hasn't been able to come because of the virus. She said, I'm uh, grateful because my kids are healthy, but I'm tired. I'm tired. By the way, if you're a little slow, my message is called I'm Tired, so you could put that in the chat. I'm tired. I picked that title Thursday. I'm never going to pick my titles on Thursday again. I picked my title I'm Tired on Thursday because I was hearing this and feeling this from so many of the people that I care about, and then every night I've been waking up at 3 a.m. So I guess the Lord wanted me to live my message. Next week I'm going to name it $100 million. And see what happens. I'm gonna name it Eight Pack and see if my abs start. I'm gonna name it Make Out with My Wife next week. Hawaii, I'm gonna preach a message called Hawaii next week. But it was just in the process of developing this message, the Lord led me to a scripture in John chapter 4. I'm tired. But, but really, this message is not about that physical tired. It's like my mom was saying to me the other day… She said, I talk to myself so much it's getting boring, because honestly this has been a very hard time for her, being, being alone and trying to stay protected. But then how do you protect your health and protect your sanity? My, my dad went to heaven in 2013. It was the seven years of when my dad went to heaven this past week. And She said, "'The problem with talking to myself is we keep finishing each other's sentences. We know what we're going to say before we say it.'" I'm tired of talking to myself. I'm tired of being alone. I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm tired, but it's not like bags under my eyes. It's not about gas in my car. I heard a lot of the people that I shepherd saying, "I'm tired inside." Maybe that's a better title. We'll call it it officially. We'll call it, "I'm tired inside." Go with me to John chapter four, all you who are weak and heavy laden. Come with me to John chapter four, and let's listen on a conversation. I've been, I've been talking with this text this week. And what the Lord showed me was something that I thought I had mastery of this text. John chapter 4. You know, I've I've heard so many sermons on John 4. Some of you who grew up going to Wednesday night Bible study, you probably click over to some other preacher now because you're like, well, what can possibly be in John 4? I promise you, this that God showed me from John chapter 4, and, and again, I thought, you know, I know this text. It's about the Samaritan woman. The woman at the well, we call her. It alliterates nicely. The woman at the well. Uh, the, the woman who had had five husbands, and number six wasn't her husband either. Uh, I called her one time the thirsty woman because it's, anyway, it's different meanings depending on how you culturally interpret that. And, and I talked about this woman on Easter. I've talked about this woman on New Year's, new, res- new Year's resolution. But, but I saw this as I was thinking about how are you? really inside how are you how, how 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 are how are you how how's your how's your insides i went to this text and i stayed with it and i saw something that i had never seen before i'll read you just enough of it to give context and then i will give further context and then i will give a little more context and then you can eat a sandwich Tired. I mean, even looking out across this room, I can see it. Y'all are trying so hard to pay attention, but honestly, it's like it's a lot right now. And I want to show you something that spoke to my soul. And God, I pray that He will energize your spirit with this word. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that He was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee." I always skip that little introduction, because I wanted to start the text here in verse 4 where Jesus went through Samaria, but backing up to see verses 1 through 3 was interesting for me, because I noticed that Jesus refused to be controlled by the agendas of others. and That thing really started preaching to me. Because in Jesus' day they had sometimes they had these different um, controversies and they had politics. It was much different in Bible times than it is today. They had some people who supported this leader and some people who supported that leader, and then you had the Pharisees who were trying to keep their power and in order to keep their power, they didn 't care what they had to say they didn 't care who they had to trample on they didn 't care who they had to hurt they didn 't care what misinformation they had to spread. So when the prophet from Galilee started performing miracles, he was born in Bethlehem, he grew up in Nazareth, he did his miracles in Galilee when he started baptizing people and started gaining popularity. He represented a threat to the religious establishment, which had become so political that they had lost the heart of the Father in pursuit of building the kingdom of their own ideologies. I just wonder, is the Bible still relevant? Is the Bible still eternal? Is it still the Word of God? Because We find ourselves in a time where we could use a whole lot more Jesus… A whole lot more. Can I preach about Jesus for 30 minutes today? Can I preach about Jesus? Um, Not the Jesus that we thought we knew from three little quotes that we carefully selected, but the Jesus who refused to be contained or confined to any ideology or to any party. Can I preach about Jesus? And the more they tried to create this pressure for him to fit within their system, he was like, I'm out of here. That's not what I'm about. I'm about my father's business. And in Jesus' day, they didn't always report the facts on the news. In Jesus' day. In Jesus' day. In Jesus' day. Everybody on this section, smile at me because y'all got me thinking I'm doing bad. I'm not talking about today. I'm not talking about today. I'm saying in Jesus' day, they got it wrong sometimes. In Jesus' day, in Jesus' day, and they said he's baptizing more than John. This guy's getting powerful. We got to stop him. And, and and they they actually they actually they actually got it wrong. He wasn't even the one doing the baptizing. He wasn't even the one doing baptism. A lot of the things that we say God does. He's not actually doing. Anyway, that's not the message. The message is called, I'm tired inside. You know what I'm tired of? I'm tired of not being able to trust any information from anywhere. I don't know what to read anymore. I don't know who to follow anymore. I don't know what to listen to anymore. It's like everybody's got an angle, everybody's got an agenda. They said, He's baptizing more than John. You better do something. But he wasn't even the one baptizing the Bible says, when Jesus learned this, which in and of itself is shocking, Jesus learned. How does Jesus learn? How does the one who is wisdom learn anything? Well, they bring him the report. They tell him that the Pharisees are starting to become very, very nervous about what he represents. And so he's like, let's go. And verse four says something else that's really shocking, all right? Remember, this is not. This is not the Jesus that you pull out and cuddle with. This is not, this is not cuddly Christ. I preached a sermon one time called Savage Jesus. All right. This is the Jesus who doesn't take shortcuts and doesn't deal with the surface issues. This is not the Jesus who comes to give you gummy bears. You know, I don't care what they're laced with or how legal it is. This is not that gummy bear Jesus. Look at verse 4, it says, now he had to go through Samaria." He had to go through Samaria. I see you nodding underneath that monitor stand. It's interesting, and it's kind of surprising, and it catches you off guard. He didn't have to do anything. He was not controlled by anyone. In fact, the only agenda that he was fully committed to was the agenda of his Father in heaven. I have sensed the Lord asking me over these last several months, whose agenda are you committed to? Is it the agenda of Jesus? Now, Jesus' agenda was not an agenda that was imposed by external forces. Jesus had to go through Samaria, not because Peter told him to, not because he took a vote and it was the popular thing to do, not because his base liked it. In fact, his base hated it. Samaria. How many sermons have you heard? I mean, you love the word. How many sermons have you heard, Chetwin, about Jesus going through Samaria? And the Jews hated to go through Samaria because even though there was not a national distinction, there was an internal distinction. I mean, how many sermons have we heard about how the Jews would walk twice as long to go around Samaria? And One time I was preaching about it, and I saw it in a funny way. I was midstream, mid-thought, mid-sentence, and the Lord said, Some area. We all have some area. Some area. That's a whole message right there too, isn't it? We all have some area that we try to avoid. In fact, sometimes the reason we're tired is because we're working around everything that God wants to bring us through, and so we've got to work around for our pain. But the form of the workaround for our pain creates a greater dependency that wears us out in the end. And The beautiful thing about the text is you don't even have to understand this geographically. You're experiencing it spiritually. We all must… Go through some area for Jesus. It was that northern part of the kingdom. It was that place that most people would double back, gotta go across the Trans Jordan, got across near Jericho. They would turn a three-day journey into a six-day journey just to avoid going through what Jesus went straight into. And you know what the Lord said to tell you? He's confrontational. He's confrontational. He is not passive, he is confrontational. And I know we have we have sweet Jesus, Ricky Bobby Jesus, eight pound baby Jesus. I like him better that way. I can hold him. Speaking of tired, my brother had a baby this week. His wife had a baby. His wife Brooke had a baby. He took some credit, and he's so excited. And when I first talked to him, I said, "How are you doing?" You know what he said? confirmation on my sermon. He said, I'm tired. I said, so is everybody else, but you do not know tired yet. Amen, Preacher Steve. You don't know tired. You are going to be begging for, for pre-baby tired. Now you are you you have not welcomed only a child into the world you have welcomed a dictator into the world of your home and now there will no longer be an agenda between you and your wife about meal times or schedules or bedtimes you don't know tired yet tell somebody you don't even know tired you don't even know tired absolutely man he had to go through Some area. Some area. Area that other people avoided, God went straight into. And even though it was the more direct route, it was the, the path less taken. Let me stop for a minute because I don't want to get so caught up in my construct that I that I fail to ask you this question. What are you working around in your life that God wants you to walk through? And how much longer will you do it that way? It's like everything in the text is inward. From the outside, Jesus has pressure from the Pharisees, but he's not controlled by that. He's not controlled by that. He's guided from the inside. That's a really awesome thing about instability in the world. It helps us get our our center of gravity from God who is on the inside. And he had to go through Samaria, not because it was the predictable path and certainly not because it was the popular path, but because it was the path of his purpose. Wow. I love the word of God. And I heard about it so many times. You know, he had to go through Samaria, that's where he went. And I heard that there was a woman there, a woman who had, had a pretty questionable character, and that he wanted to meet with her. That's who he went for. And, and I even heard how he went, that, that he went straight through instead of going on the, the path that most people were familiar with. But you know what I saw this week? I saw something. Read this with me in verse 5. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman, that's who, Sychar, that's where, when she came to draw water, that's what, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? And I love verse 8 in parentheses. This struck me as funny Uh, when I read it. His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. Why is that funny? I think he was tired of them. I really do. I don't think he was so worried that they were hungry. I think he was like, you know what would be great if y'all just want to run an errand? I got something I got to do. Sometimes you got to send people away. Sometimes you got to say, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm working on this right now. I appreciate you so much, and I love you, and I'll see you when you get back with those grilled chicken nuggets and those french fries. See, John's gospel is different than the other gospels. Can I show you Jesus from John's gospel? In John's gospel, we're seeing that Jesus is fully God. He's fully God. He is the response of the call that started at the bush where Moses stood generations ago. Jesus is not a Johnny-come-lately. Jesus is not a fly-by-night Savior. Jesus is not a pop star or a flash in the pan. That's why he was not driven by popularity, because he he was not instant grits. Jesus came through 41 generations from Abraham to David, from David to the exile, from the exile to Jesus was 41 generations. God found a man, used a man, found a man, used a man. But men kept messing it up. So God finally said, I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm tired of you trying to get to me. How about I come to you? So the Word became flesh and dwelt among us." That's John 1:14, 14 And we beheld the fullness of his glory. And John sets out to show us a glimpse of who Jesus is. I wonder, do you know who Jesus is? Not who somebody told you he was in Sunday school in 1978. Not who we want him to be. Not the one who has the same melatonin as you. Not the one who votes the same as you. Not the one who only cares about what matters to you. I wonder, do you know him? Because he's the great I am. I mean, John sets it up so you can't miss it, even if you want. Because here's what he does. Please, y'all, please sit down. I know you're tired. You're tired. I don't want you on your feet. You're tired. You're tired. So, so sit down and listen to this. Okay, let me sit down too. Okay, okay. I'ma sit down for a minute. I'ma sit down for a minute. I'ma tell you. How it goes in John's gospel. He says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then he says that all things were made through Him and for Him. So Jesus has been busy. Jesus has been busy. Jesus has been busy. Jesus didn't minister for 33 years. The Word that was with God in the beginning became flesh, and we beheld Him. He didn't get started when He showed up. You know, it's the same way in your life. God spoke you into this earth at the time that He wanted. Come on, if y'all ain't gonna help, get out of here. I'm telling you, God put you where He wanted you. And some of the battles that you're fighting started long before you got here. That's part of why you're tired. Some things that we fight are generational. So, when John is describing Jesus… Matthew gives you the genealogy, but he does it through the people. John starts way before that and says, "'In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God.'" And If you go all the way to the back of John's gospel, he says, "'These things were written about Jesus that you may know and believe and have life in his name.'" But he says something crazy. He says, "'These are just a few of the things that he did.'" He said, I just gave you what you could handle. I just want to give you a glimpse of who he is by showing you what he did. So in John's gospel, there are there are seven signs that the author mentions that Jesus did. It's not all that he did. It's not all. Somebody say "It's it's not all. It's not all. Oh, I felt the I felt the Holy Spirit on that. Put it, put it in the chat right now. It's not all. It's not all. What I know of God is not all there is of God. What I think is true is not all that is true. What I have experienced thus far in my life is not what I have to settle for. What I have known doesn't have to be my normal forever. It's not all. But he said, I'm gonna give you a glimpse of what he did so you can see who he is. These are called the seven signs in John. The seven signs. It started in Cana of Galilee when he turned water into wine. I call this a molecular miracle. A molecular miracle. It looks little, but it shows you who he is. How many have had God show you who he is in little tiny ways? That's called a molecular miracle. Well, he can't stay there forever, so he has to go and and, and preach in Judea. In John chapter 4, he heals a royal official's son. That's the second sign. And then in John chapter 5, he walks by a pool not to relax, but it was a pool where many who were lame and disabled used to lie. And he speaks to a man on a mat and he gets him up off of his mat because the man was waiting on the water to move. But Jesus had the water within him that the man was trying to get to on the outside. And he showed that he is greater than any earthly system. And he can bring to you what others did not bring to you, and he can do for you what nobody can do for you. That's the third sign. By the time you get to John six, you're getting into some of the more well-known miracles. When he when he did he did multiply those grilled nuggets I was talking about. Come on, I've been up a long time. I'm hungry. And those waffle fries. And he multiplied to feed twenty thousand. I thought it was five. Somebody just said you didn't count the women and children. God works through the people that you don't even count. God works through. people that you don't even notice. God works through the people that you don't even think are worth putting in the total. So that's the fourth sign. By the time you get to… Where am I at? Am I on the fourth sign? What's the fifth sign? Oh, maybe the fifth sign is that man born blind… He opened up his eyes and ruined his life, because when he opened up his eyes, there are certain things that once God shows you, you can't unsee them anymore. He messed up Lazarus' whole funeral. They didn't even get a chance to really start the funeral. They didn't even really get a chance to mourn. And here he came with a miracle. Now, several of these signs were connected to a statement. John also gives seven statements. You feel like hearing those? Are y'all tired of me preaching yet? I'm not tired of this. I could do this all day. Something comes alive in me when I start preaching. It's the weirdest thing. It doesn't matter how tired I am. God gives me some kind of strength. It must be for you. You must have been on the verge this week. You must be burning out, but God wanted to get you some oil so you don't, so you don't die before you realize the purpose for which he brought you into this world to begin with. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, the great I Am. So Jesus said some things. He said, I am." Do you know any of them? The bread of life. He said that right after he fed all those people. He wasn't trying to just feed their stomachs. He was trying to inform their spirits. He said, "Um, I am the light of the world. He said… I am the door for the sheep. He said, I am the good shepherd. Even in the valley I'll guide you. I'll be your light. I am the light. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I I am the true vine." That's seven. John is showing us. This number of completion, seven. That's that's God's number, seven. Six is man's number. That's why we're tired, because we're living in six. Jesus is the seventh man, the seventh man. And, and, And what I want to show you in this text. If you'll let me show you this, it's gonna bring you a sense in your soul of something. I know you're stressed out, and I know there's a lot to be worried about in the world. Man, I got so mad this week, and I know you're not supposed to get mad, but the same Jesus who pet the little baby sheep flipped over tables in the temple when they weren't doing it for the right purpose. And and there was a guy on my Instagram this week, and he saw me and John talking about racism and, and, and the evil and the atrocity and really the, the fact that if the church is silent about these issues that matter to people… It's like we want to dismantle the cross. It's like we only like this part. We don't want Jesus to inform how we treat others. We just want him to do stuff for us. And, and I don't go through every comment on, on Instagram or YouTube, but one person said, um, I'm tired. He said, TBH, to be honest. I'm tired of all the pastors I follow posting about racism on my feed. Can't we just get back to preaching Jesus? Which Jesus? The one you went to Sunday school with? Or the one who went through Samaria. Which Jesus? Come on now. I'm 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 just in need of an answer. Which Jesus do we worship? Which one? The one who said, I am the way? The one who you follow, or the one that you lead? The one that you say, No, I'm not following you any farther than that. He had to go through Samaria. And watch what he did when he sat down. Watch what he did when he sat down in, in verse six. He said, he said, he sat down, he sat down tired as he was. Which is confusing, right? Because Isaiah 40 is a dope scripture. You can't call the word of God dope. I just did. I just did it right here in American English said every syllable of it. And it said in Isaiah 40, the prophet said, Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, my cause is disregarded from my God? This part. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He will not grow tired. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God. So this blew me away. Uh, John chapter four, verse six Jesus tired. I prayed about this message. Please know that I did because there's so much I can't do right now and I feel bad about it and I wish I could do more. And this church is doing everything that we can to be a part of the solution, but there's so much I can't do. And I know you've been tired and I know it's been hurting and I know it's been lifelong. And it might not be racism, it may be an addiction, it may be wondering how much longer you're going to have a job or when you're going to get one or when this is all going to be over or when God's going to send you somebody who gets you. I know you've been tired. And I prayed, I said, God, what do I do? Tell them they're, they're tired. And what do, what do I tell the person who is too tired to go on? What do I tell the one who says, I'm too tired? God said, Tell them, I got tired too. Jesus sat down in Samaria. That's where to talk to a woman. That's who. Ask him for water. That's what. But why? Because he was tired. Because he was fully God, fully man. As much as we love to shout about his divinity, you know how we were a minute ago? When I was setting you up about the great I am, just to bring you back down. So you could know that the same God who created you, who was strong enough, who was powerful enough. Everybody thinks Jesus was weak, raise your hand. Maybe. Maybe being weary doesn't mean you're weak. Jesus, tired. Why was he tired? I didn't say who was he tired of. We already know it was Peter. (laughs) Come on, Peter. (laughs) Peter's fighting you at every turn, cussing and stuff in front of the press, having to bleep Peter out. You know. I know he was tired of the Pharisees. He couldn't wash his hands or not wash his hands. They followed him to every bathroom, every dinner. I know he was tired of them, but it says he was tired from the journey. Thinking about Jesus' journey, you know, they walked everywhere. <sighs> no Uber, no Uber Jesus, Uber Christ, Uber Savior. Three day walk. From where they were baptizing, through Samaria. Straight through was the shortcut. By the way, the direct route is sometimes the divine route. Instead of hiding the fact that you're tired, you just say, "God, I'm tired." Somebody, somebody was yawning during my sermon one time, and I just got mad about it. I said, "How are you tired? You're not doing anything." You know, but I found out later they they worked a night shift and came straight to church. It's kind of hard to understand someone if you only see them at one part of their journey. And some people that we think are weak maybe are weary. Have you thought about that? That just because you're weary, it doesn't make you weak. How do you know that? Jesus, I am the light of the world, I am the bread of life, I am the resurrection. I am the door. I am the shepherd. I am the true vine. I am the way. At some point, six hours after they left that morning at noon, he said something we wouldn't expect to hear the Savior say. I am tired. This is the incarnation. I worship a God who is powerful enough to give me strength and who is human enough To get tired, and for some reason, this week I felt that some of us needed to meet tired Jesus. I thought maybe you could relate to him because his journey didn't really start with just leaving that morning. I mean, that's enough—six hours that day. Six hours in one day. I mean, I got a six hour drive coming up with my kids, and I'm downloading every episode of The Office on all of their phones, just hoping we can make it six hours, still be saved, still be married, still be healed, delivered, blessed, and one happy family. And that's a drive. Six hours. Because you leave at six, it's noon, it's hot, it's the heat of the day. Of course, he's tired. And yet, I wondered was it only physical? Or did he go through Samaria because he was tired of the way they were treating each other? Why was he tired? Why did he come? To abolish the barriers, full of grace and truth, and we beheld his glory. His journey didn't start in Bethlehem. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh." That's a long trip. From the sapphire seal of heaven to the dusty streets of Samaria, of course he was tired. Even youth will grow weary and stumble, but those who wait on the Lord… I'm waiting on God right now. on, I'm waiting. Somebody say I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. And I'm weary, and I'm not going to lie to you. I'm weary. I mean this this is getting old. And some of y'all want to cuss right now. Don't do it in the chat. They'll block you. But even in your mind, you're like, I'm sick of this. I am sick of this. I mean, that's that's not an I am statement we read in the Bible, but that's what you're saying right now in your heart. I'm I am what I am sick of this. I am I am sick and tired. I am tired of fighting battles. Now the thing about me, some people say when they get tired they start laughing. Not me. When I get tired, I get mean. How many of you, when you get tired? That's that's why when you had to pull me out of the elevator in Australia to, and I was about to fight that guy after I preached. I mean, I had just finished giving the invitation too. If you're here today, the Lord says, Come. And that dude said something sideways to me, and my uncle taught me to. Hit him with his your elbow if you can get close enough. And I was cocking the elbow and Chunks pulled me back. He said, You've been, I was jet lagged. I had preached 23 times in, in four days. They were preaching me to death at Hillsong Church. I'm preaching, I'm I'm preaching, 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 tired. And Chunks pulled me out. I said, Come on, you're too tired now. Because when you get too tired, you start fighting battles that don't matter to distract you from the ones that do. That's just me. I start fighting everybody. I start fighting people that are trying to help me when I'm tired." So Jesus said, "'Y'all go get lunch. I'm sitting here for a minute, because the ones y'all have been fighting against are the ones I came to save.'" He had to go through Samaria. He had to sit down. There was a woman coming who needed him. She didn't even know it. She had no idea who he was he sat down because he was tired i mean you don't have to do anything right now just sit down and receive this word that the son of god got tired the son of god got tired i know you're superman and you're you're mad at yourself because you can't always get it perfect perfection got tired Faith doesn't prevent fatigue. It just gives me a place to sit. He sat by a well. Here's the important thing. What well do you sit by when you're tired? He said it was Jacob's well. You with me, son? He said it was Jacob's well. Joseph was given that well by Jacob. A lot of what our kids learn comes from us. It's generational. Jesus sat down by that well. I think that's so appropriate to say at this moment in our nation. What wells are you digging for your kids to sit next to? A lot of what we're going through today is because of wells that were dug before we got here. Jesus sat by Jacob's well. Wait on the Lord. Now we see the Lord waiting on a woman. So I pictured this moment. I picture me and you. You got your coffee, and you're like, I'm, "I'm drinking all the caffeine I can. I'm still tired." And I know you can watch a TED Talk about you know when to go to bed and when to wake up and all that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about tired inside. I'm a soul doctor. I don't know anything about REM. I don't know anything about ergodynamic pillows. Did I say that right? I don't know anything about your mattress number. That is not my specialty. But I know that sometimes you've got to sit down by a real well. And listen to me a lot of the places that we're sitting while we're tired are only making us more dehydrated. A lot of the places that we're drinking from are making us dumber, more fragmented, less whole, less informed. And this woman comes up, now picture it, she comes up at noon because she's sneaking away from all of the people who talked about her. She is a woman with a past. The last thing she wants to see is a man, specifically a Jewish man, specifically a rabbi. And Jesus says, Hey, can I get a drink? This is not a pickup line. This is not a pickup line. This is not a surface level question. This is Jesus asking this woman, Do you even know what's in you? I'm gonna stand up now. I'm gonna stand up now. Because I hear God saying to someone today, you don't even know what I put inside of you. What I have put inside of you is so great. Now, If you only see things on the surface, if you judge how people judge, you will never see what's inside. This was Jacob's well, but it was really just something for Jesus to sit on. When he sat on the well and asked the woman, can I get a drink, he was not talking about H2O. Don't you get it? It's never about what we think it's about. It's always something deeper. So Jesus has showed up in this woman's situation, and I can't help but think it's for somebody today. You have been at your wit's end, and you thought I was going to give you a little pep talk. and You thought I was going to tell you, you know, get on with it and and trust God and and move forward and all these little cliches of faith. But I, I came to tell you, sit with him a little while sit with him a little while. Sit with him a little while. Sit with him and see who you really are. Sit with him a little while. I've been sitting, I'm just gonna to confess to you, I've been sitting by the wrong wells a lot of the time. I've been depending on people to inform me about who I am. I've been depending on what I see with my eyes to tell me how it is. But there is a well that does not come from an external source and you can't see the pipes. There is within you a spirit that is greater than whatever is going on around you. Greater is he that is in me. I'm trying to shout, sitting down, so you can know. He sat on the well so she could see what was within her. And I believe God is revealing some things to us in this season. I believe God is revealing to His church in this season that He has made us for a time when the world is so divided, when He has made us for a time that the world is so apathetic. And He sat by the well, He sat by the well to talk to a woman who had had five husbands and was living with number six so she could know He was number seven. On the first day, God worked. On the second day, God worked. On the third day, God worked. On the fourth day, God worked. On the fifth day, God worked. On the sixth day, God worked. What do you do on the seventh? He sat down, not because he needed rest, but because she did. And that's what I love about a God who will not only fight for me and walk with me and talk with me. But God said to tell you this week, He is the God who will come through 41 generations and go through Samaria just to sit with you. Just to sit with you. Sit with Him for a minute. He might show you something that is within you that nobody else noticed. This woman had been passed around like the jar that she carried to the well that day. She knew what it was to feel used. Did he sit down at the well that day because he was tired, or because she was? You tired of being used by people? You tired of being manipulated by people? Sit with me, because I'm not seated where you're seated. When I sit with him, he has seated me with him in heavenly places, far above every ruler and principality." You say, I'm tired. God said, Me too. I'm tired of seeing him. How, how, how people treat one another too. I'm tired of the injustice too. That's why I came in the form of a man so that I could be what man could never be. I came to hang on a cross and say, it is finished so that you can rest. I know we got work to do, but can we sit for a minute? Can we just sit with him for a minute by the well that will never run dry? Some of us passed E a long time ago. The tank has been empty a long time. So God says, I want you to sit with me. When you sit with me, you will see with me. When you sit with me… Who is this for? Just raise your hand right now in the room. Raise your hand in the chat. Say, this is for me. I want to sit with him. I want to sit by the well that has living water. I want to sit away from the streams that are poisoned by the prejudice of men. I want to sit with him for a minute." And Jesus, tired as he was, said to his disciples, "'Y'all go get some food. I've got to get a harvest.' I believe God sent me to preach this message to somebody today who is tired on the inside. And no amount of sleep, no amount of Netflix and numbing it, and no amount of pacing the floors is gonna solve it. And I believe God brought you into His presence today for a reason. And I think He woke me up at 3 in the morning this night, the night before, the night before so that I could feel a little bit physically while I preach this how you've been feeling before we got here. How Jesus felt was how the woman felt. Even youth will grow tired and weary, and young men will stumble and fall, but they that wait on the Lord will renew their strength. God said, Even if you don't have the patience to wait for me, I'm waiting for you. When you are tired… You must be very careful that you do not become dehydrated. You have got to drink this water. You have got to drink this word. You have got to drink this worship. You have got to move away from wells that will never quench your thirst, and you have got to receive the water that flows from within. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the reason that you came to church today is God wanted to give you water. He knows you're tired, He knows you're thirsty. He hung on a cross and said, I thirst too. He stretched his arms this wide because he was tired of it too. And the man who was God became man, and he who knew no sin became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. And He said to the woman, and he said to me, and he said to you, Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I am the bread of life. I am the resurrection. I am the light. I am the shepherd. I am the gate. I am the way. I am the vine. I am the seventh man. I am the seventh man. I am the well. I am within you. You will never get what you need from out there. It's in here. It's in here. It's in here. It's in here. I know you're not in a church building. There's no worship leader to tell you to lift your hands. Will you do it anyway? I know there's not a feeling telling you right now to have hope. Can you hope anyway? It is a well that springs up from within. It is a well that men did not dig. It is a well that does not consult external situations. It is a well of the Holy Spirit. And God said, I came all this way to sit with you, to be with you. The proof of his power was not just when he walked on water. The proof of his power was when he sat on a well. Did you hear me better online than they heard me in this room? Because If you got that, you got the whole message. He didn't just prove it by walking on water, which he did. He proved it by sitting on a well. Sometimes he walks on water. Sometimes he is water, but I declare that the Lord is in this place. We started this service when I got up to preach, saying, the Lord is in this place, and not for a minute was I forsaken. And you came into this service today saying, "I'm tired inside." I said, I know. It's all right to be tired. But why don't you go ahead and leave that jar that you brought behind, that jar that represents what you've been carrying, that you weren't meant to carry along, and receive right now? What only I can reveal. Father, you gave me this word, I believe, for your people. I didn't think of this. I didn't study this in a book. You spoke to me and told me to go to John 4, 6. And I said, what to tell the people when they're so tired and they're right to be tired and they're tired and they're tired of being tired and they're tired of things not changing. And you told me to tell them, I got tired too and you are seated with me in heavenly places." So now, Lord, we need the water of worship. We've received the water of your Word today. In the beginning was a Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. We receive your Word today. Now make it flesh in our lives as we worship you. Now lift your hands wherever you are. This is not a moment to be self-conscious. This is not a moment to log off. This is not a moment to be distracted. Because we need this water. In a dry and weary land, we need this water. Lord, we wait on you. We believe that you are in this place. Whether it's a cross or an empty tomb, your presence is proven in both. We take this moment just to let you know that we know that we need you and you are in this place. We may feel forsaken. We may feel forgotten. We may feel frustrated. That's okay. You got tired too, Jesus, but you sit with us in our brokenness. You sit with us in our unbelief. You sit with us in our rage. You sit with us to show us who we really are. Just begin to minister to the Lord Zeke. Not for a minute. Was I forsaken? The Lord is in this place. Living water in this place. Bread of life in this
1: place. Come, Holy Spirit. Light of
0: the world is in this
1: place. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lord is in this place,
0: Sit for, a minute.
1: for a minute.
0: Sit in this peace for a
1: minute. Mm. Lord is in this place, the Lord is in this place. Come, Holy Spirit, dry bones awaken.
0: Christian, come minister with him on the harmony. Sing that over the people. Let them sit for a minute. So weary, so exhausted. Emotions going crazy. World going crazy. The tension is so great, we don't know if we can make it. Minister to the people.
1: Come, Holy Spirit. Lord is in this place. Waiting, waiting. The Lord is, is in this, this place, place. Hey, not, not for, for a minute. minute Was I forsaken I Thought I was, but I was The Lord is, is in this place The Lord is in this place Thank you, Lord Come, Holy Spirit Tribes awaken The Lord is in this place, place. Yes, He is. The Lord is in yes, this place. He is. Yes, He is. Not for a
0: minute.
1: Wasn't for sin. Here comes your strength.
0: The Here comes your strength place. in His presence. The Lord is in
1: this place.
0: I feel it coming to you right Come. now. Holy Spirit, you needed this.
1: Drive away.
0: You needed this moment.
1: The tomb of Lazarus. Not for He's sat by the woman at the well. Was he knows I what you saying? need. The Lord is your word, word Lord.
0: I know the message is officially over and you're probably tired of hearing me talk. I went a long time today, but I had a lot in my heart. And um, I just wanna make sure that you remember that God is with you and that the presence of Christ is within you. And I just wanna thank you for being a part of this ministry. Holly and I are praying for you. These are really difficult days and uh, there's so much work for the church to do in the world to bring God's kingdom to earth. We're committed to this, and it's a privilege to stand with you, to share God's word with you, and to join together with you in getting the good news of Jesus Christ to the world. We love you.